very shitty show. Hilarious. Yeah, there's like a 50% chance crosstalk with Wags and Rodney devolves into shit talk. Oh, is and that it, right? No, it's not just a you and me thing. Like half the time, Bucky and I are crossing over with Wags and Rodney at 10 o'clock. It turns into somebody talking about bowel movements and telling a story about either theirs or somebody they know or somebody they saw taking a crap. It's not just an air thing either, by the way. Bucky and I spoke by phone 10 minutes ago, and the end of the conversation had to do with shitting. Human <laughs> shit. Yeah. I guess it's Bucky's fault then. He's the common denominator in all of this deal. I'm probably partially to blame too for being completely honest about it all. Yeah, same. All right. It's part two of Trey and BK. Of course, we were together this morning. Uh, The Buck had the day off. He will be back tomorrow. So we'll have the normal lineup of shows tomorrow. But Trey and I are with you in our normal time from now until one o'clock before we hand things off to Chip and Zay. Uh, Justin Wells of Inside Texas and InsideTexas.com will be joining us at 1230. So you're not just stuck listening to the two of us for another hour. We'll get Jay Wells' thoughts on the latest and greatest with Texas football, including Sark's new contract, including recruiting. Might even talk a little Texas basketball with Justin coming up in about 13 minutes. So get ready for that. We've got Where Are We At in Society, of course, coming up at the end of the hour and uh, Trey, the, the number one story that I wanted to get into this morning in the world of sports, we never even talked about. We just got into a number of different conversations. We did talk plenty of sports. We just touched on a few other topics. And I kind of forgot to bring this up. So it feels like a good time to bring it up right now. Yeah, the morning show, by the way, we set a pretty high bar for today's midday show because we went from waiting in the baby pool all the way to the deep end of things where the high diving board is. So uh, high standards here, which I think we're going to exceed before it's all said and done, in part because of well. So what was that topic from this morning? Yeah, fun show this morning. Definitely check out the podcast if you missed it. But the new college football playoff format has been officially announced. Uh, We've known for a while that they were going to 12 teams starting this coming season, but we didn't know exactly what the 12-team bracket was going to look like. There's been a lot of back and forth and a lot of debate between two potential options for the CFP, and yesterday afternoon they finally settled on one of those options, and it's the 5 plus 7 format, which means, yes, 5 plus 7 is 12, but the 5 comes from the five highest-ranked conference champions – So those five are guaranteed a spot. It doesn't matter what the conference is. Obviously, we know the Power Five doesn't really exist anymore because the Pac-12 has dissipated. But the five highest-ranked conference champions will be guaranteed five spots in the playoff. And then the other seven spots will basically be at-large spots that will go to the next seven highest-ranked teams. So the original thought when they announced the playoff expansion was six plus six. There's going to be six, the highest ranked six conference champions, and then six as at large spots. But since we announced the expansion of the playoff, the Pac 12 fell apart. So now we didn't feel like there was a need to have six conference champs. Now we went down to five since we have fewer conferences. So, mouthful there, but your thoughts on the ultimate decision to go with the five plus seven model? I think it makes sense for the next couple of years. You're guaranteeing one of those G5 teams making it into the playoff. And there may very well be a couple of those if another one is ranked high enough. But you guarantee at least one of them so they have a seat at the table to go along with the four major conferences. And eventually, it's going to whittle down to the two major conferences with no outside bids to other conferences either after the next couple of years. But I guess we have a little bit more time with that. It just makes sense because the Pac-12 is down to two teams uh, they just picked somebody to run the conference. Take over for George Klyavkov, by the way, who, uh, lucky for him, I missed the shows last week after he had gotten canned. I mean, you want to talk about something that was three years in the making, and if it, the hire had never happened, we may not have seen college football go this way. That's how fucking terrible his tenure was. But the Pac-12 is going to be no more. They don't have a viable path forward. We'll see what Oregon State and Washington State ultimately do. Maybe that uh, Mountain West alliance becomes a little bit more permanent, and they call it something completely different. They can call it the Pac-10 or Pac-12 or Pac-8 or Pac-46 if they want to, but it's going to be a secondary conference going forward. And so, yeah, but look, even they have an option. Uh, I guess they being the two-team Pac-12, so that 
increases the likelihoods in theory that they could be ranked inside that top 12. But I have a feeling it's going to go to a Mountain West school or a school from a completely different conference altogether. Yeah, I didn't think anybody could do a worse job than Larry Scott did as the commissioner of the Pac-12 conference. But George Klyovkov said, hold my beer. Because, I mean, Larry Scott started the downfall. You can't pin all of this mess on Klyovkov, but Klyovkov did absolutely nothing to stop it. And he's ultimately the biggest reason why the Pac-12 basically no longer exists. So a couple of sort of nuggets in relation to the new CFP format. The four highest ranked conference champions will get the top four seeds and they'll get the first round by. The other eight teams will play in round one, and those will be on-campus games. I think people have known this for a while, but five will play 12, six versus 11, seven versus 10, and eight versus nine. Uh, Then the quarterfinals will happen at New Year's six bowl spots. Then you've got the semis. Then you've got the national championship. So that's how it's going to work. But Trey, the, the scary part for Texas, and we knew, we knew when Texas moved to the SEC, the path to the CFP was going to be tougher. Uh, Whether it's four teams or 12 teams, obviously it's a little bit easier now that more teams make it. You feel like you've got a better chance because you do. But because of the top four rule, the fact that the top four spots have to go to different conference champions, Texas could be number two in the CFP rankings at the end of next season. If Georgia's number one, sorry, the Longhorns have to play. If Georgia's number one and they win the SEC, sorry, the Longhorns have to play in the first round and the highest seed they can be is a five. So that's like the unfortunate part. Like if you stay in the Big 12, I'm not advocating that Texas should have stayed in the Big 12, but obviously it's a lot easier to get one of those top four seeds coming out of the Big 12 than it will be in the SEC. So there's a little something, something that could screw Texas a time or two as the uh, playoff format changes starting in 2024-25. Boy, that that is that leads to an interesting question, which maybe we'll bring our next guest on to talk about that and a whole lot more. After all, we did just get a text that said, ready when you are, bitches. So on that, <laughs> we bring our friend Justin Wells into the fray. Inside Texas, InsideTexas.com, the Inside Texas YouTube channel. Give him a follow on Twitter at Justin Wells2424. What is up, brother? How are we doing on Wednesday? Man. There is so much up, like so much, so much good stuff happening today. And you know what? Most of it is at InsideTexas.com. I'm not lying. We've got new recruiting updates. We've got new visitors. We talked to like three or four 2026 quarterbacks. We got some new news on some potential um, uh, recruiting hires happening uh, behind the scenes. I mean, we got it all going on, plus playoff talk. Man, the playoff system came out now, and there's a lot of that. And then Sean McVay is the keynote speaker for the Texas Football Coaches Clinic coming in a few months. I mean, where do we start, guys? Oh, wow. I hadn't even seen the Sean McVay part. That is huge. So let's let's uh, get your opinion on that. What do you think is the biggest of these recruiting stories right now to talk about, Justin? Uh, I don't know if there would be one in particular that's bigger than the others. Um, I think it's interesting... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline getting a lot of these 2026 quarterbacks on campus. Uh, talked to Will Griffin yesterday out of a Jesuit high school in Tampa, Florida. He visited during junior day, six, two and a half, about six, three, 225, big traditional prototype looking passer. He's going to be on campus. He's been talking to AJ Milwee, uh, Grant Smith from spring grand Oaks. Talked to Eric yesterday. He looks like he's going to be coming in. Dia Bell, Raja Bell's son. Remember the NBA guard that no. always gave Kobe Bryant fits his son. Dia Bell plays at, at American Heritage down in Fort Lauderdale. On three's Chad Simmons reported this morning that he's going to be on campus in a couple of months. And so, to me, the biggest one is Michael Fasusi, the five-star offensive guard, offensive tackle out of Louisville. Uh, he had told me a few days ago he, he was scheduling it in the next month or so. He didn't have a date for sure. This morning we confirmed he does have a date. He will be in Austin on April 9th. That's big because he's probably priority number one 
on the offensive line board. And so we know how Kyle Flood likes to go large human hunting, and Fasusi is one of those that you're, you're trying to catch. Mm, yeah, large humans, very important at any level of football, but they feel even more important with the move to the SEC. What about the defensive line, Justin? That's obviously a question that Longhorn fans have about the current team with Byron Murphy and Tavondre Sweat going pro. But you yeah. know, you know, Alfred Collins is a fifth-year guy. He's gone after this year. Vernon Broughton, a fifth-year guy. He's gone after this year. Feels like Texas didn't do a great job, and part of this is because Bo Davis left and they needed a new D-line coach. But Texas did do a great job with this recruiting class of 2024 and adding D linemen. Uh, are there some big names that uh, Texas is going to be in the mix for on the defensive front for next year? Yes, absolutely. You guys know, you guys know the rules. You're headed to this SEC, so you better, you better stock up on the offense and defensive lines. Um, it's bully ball in that conference and they will run down your throat until you stop them. And how do you do that? You know, Texas had one of the best run defenses in the nation last year. And, and you got to give a lot of credit to those two monsters in the middle. Our own Charlie Williams went and hung out with him yesterday. He went and saw Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy. Dude, Sweat looks like he's down 50, 60 pounds. Okay, he looks – you got to go to Inside Texas and check that out. This guy looks tremendous. He didn't want to weigh at the Senior Bowl, probably because he was probably hovering around four bills. And now he's getting a little, a little bit back down to game shape. He looks tremendous. That type of frame and body is what gets you into the first round. So Texas has to continue that. They got to carry that over into their first year in the SEC. Where, how are they going to do it? Like you said, Alfred Collins, Vernon Broughton, Sadir Mitchell, uh, that, that, that uh, Teola Sevilla from Arizona has been impressing in winter workouts. That is a professional, intense guy. I think he's going to be big. But what about 2025? This will be the cycle that determines. Kenny, this will be Kenny Baker's first cycle, if you think about it. This is going to be his first round with it. And so there's two guys on the top of the board that are must-gets, and that's Zion Williams out of Lufkin and Dylan Battle out of Mansfield Timberview. And not to mention keeping Brandon Brown, the EU galley out of Melbourne, Florida, defensive tackle that's committed to Texas currently. He's supposed to be coming back in late March with his seven-on-seven group. So Kenny Baker has his work cut out for him. This is going to be his first stamp. You know, he he wants to build some skins on the wall. You know, that's what these young energetic coaches do. And for him to do that, he's going to have to he's going to have to grab some of these guys. It starts with Zion and Dylan. You got to get both of those two guys on the board. Zion 6'5, about 315, 320. He plays in he's in theater. He plays Santa Claus. The dude is a, an all-A student. He has got the biggest smile in the state of Texas. And he's got Texas, LSU, and AM all in the mix. Dylan Battle, I went and hung out with last week. Another guy that's got Michigan, where his father's from. He's got Texas. He's got TCU. He's got Texas AM. He's got a, a few other schools in the mix as well. So for the D line to really restock in 2025 cycle, and look, they're going to have to take, in my opinion, at least four. I mean, you get, they got Alex January and they got Melvin Hills coming over from this 2024 cycle. But in this next one, guys, I think it's going to go four deep and it begins and ends with Zion. Holy Mount Zion and Dylan, let's go to battle. You were to get to ask Sean McVay one thing at the, uh, the coaches clinic that he's going to be speaking at here in a little bit. What would you want to ask him? What would I want to ask McVay? Yeah. How in the hell do you remember every single play call you've ever made <laughs> since you've been in the sport? Like he's, he did this thing on camera. I want to say a couple of years ago, maybe it was right before or after they won the Super Bowl, and they asked him, "Hey, Miami Dolphins, 2017, Week 13, third down and four. What was your play call?" He knew it. It was one of those weird long plays that you hear uh, Peyton Manning joking about. Banana Y left, John Gruden slot, give him a sl give him a little waggle, corner rag flag route. He, re how do you remember that? It's one thing to to remember your plays. It's one thing to remember the scope and the moment of a big game or a big play call, but a random play that happened five or six years ago, dude. That's a memory unlike any I've ever seen. He's an offensive innovator. Um, he, there's so many things. I think him and Sark get in a, get in a room and they just giggle because they're like, "Hey, won't you? You want to try some of that spider too? Why? Ah, what do you think about duo on that RPO? 
duo and that RPO going together. I mean, those two guys, they're probably is they're probably hilarious. I'd love to be a fly on the wall. But yeah, I'd ask Sean McVay, how do you remember that kind of stuff? I mean, I get it, but my goodness, that memory is um it's amazing. The unofficial answer for that is productive autism, Justin. Hey, highly functioning autism. And if that's yeah. the case, more power to him. That uh, yep. Sean's yep. a Sean's a he, he's a G. He knows what he's doing. I love that 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 Sark's bringing him. Yeah, I was gonna say meth, but uh, y'all's answer probably makes more sense. <laughs> That's an East Texas answer. <laughs> oh man, Jay Wells, you brought up uh, winter workouts a couple of moments ago. You mentioned Tia Savea, the transfer D tackle from Arizona. We know you guys are all over this at Inside Texas right now. But uh, who are some other names that you keep hearing about? Guys that are standing out a little bit before spring ball gets going. Yeah, it, it, it's still early. Uh, Eric Nolene and I are going to have a, a team-related uh, post at Thursday a.m., basically kind of recapping everything that we've been hearing over the last week or so. Um, it's the Underwear Olympics. That's what we like to call it. It's winter conditioning. But what's funny is that even though it's not football, uh, Tory Becton gets these guys for about a month and a half, almost two months, and, and he, tries to get them, he tries to get them right before they, they enter into springtime and, and, and Sark and those guys take over. Um, the thing that I think, I, I think the two names I've noticed the most, one is Ty Anthony Smith, the outside linebacker, uh, late, late flip from A&M out of Jasper, Texas. Um, Ty Anthony's a guy that he is just a rangy guy. Like he has a wingspan, like a condor and he's got this frame and, and his ability to go sideline to sideline is legit. I saw him play in high school and the first three plays of, of Waco Connolly's series on offense he made two of them sideline to sideline. And, and you just immediately knew they were trying to run away from him and he wouldn't allow it. He's like, no, no, you don't run away from me. I come get you. And so Ty Anthony's showing a good work ethic. He's, he's keeping his head low. He, he's keeping the intensity and the enthusiasm high. I think he's a guy that people need to pay attention to. And I'll give you a portal guy, Andrew Makuba. Like, I know we can go through each one of these portal guys and each one of them has their own skill set. You know, each one of them can, can bring an, an interesting array of, of, of skills to, to, to their position. But man, when Jade Barron decided to come back, that secondary got ridiculous because two years ago, they're trying to put an influx of athletes, move Keaton Crawford back there, try try to get some more athleticism back there. Now they're full of it. And you've got guys with experience. Makuba can play some safety. He can play some nickel. He's a guy that if you talk to the recruits in the 2025 and 2026 classes, a lot of what these Texas coaches want are guys that are interchangeable. They, it, it reminds me of Dwayne Aquina. You know, of course you want the corner because the corner is the hardest thing to find. And you're a corner before you're a safety or a nickel. But if you can play two or three of those spots, Texas is running out five DBs on a regular basis on the, in any defensive set. That gives those guys more opportunities. I know two guys that are really busting it. Freshmen are Kobe Black and Jordan Johnson Rebel, both early enrollees, both highly motivated guys. Kobe at 6'2", over two bills playing corner. Jordan Johnson Rebel, kind of more of that compact guy, 5'10", 5'10.5", Quandre Diggs type, can play some nickel, can play some safety, really smart, uh, you know, just a really, really good kid. And so, you know, it's early. They're not popping. They're not popping pads yet. But just how they approach day to day stuff, time management, class management, you know, friend management, football management, how they're doing that. These young freshmen and these portal guys, they came to work. And that just shows you Sark has a type. And if you're an early enrollee, like 80 percent of the class of 2024, there's a good chance you're going to see the field early. And, and I think that's what Sark's looking for in this culture. Guys who are not only talented, but also the hardest workers on the team. Yeah, it's uh, that capital C culture word once again. And on Barron, Justin, talked about in the past, that, that was huge for what this Texas defense is capable of this coming season because he was a defensive MVP through the first half plus of the season. The last part was a bit of a struggle, though. How much did that play into his decision to ultimately come back to Austin for one more year? That's a great question. Don't forget, this guy was injured twice. Yeah, He played hurt twice. He had no business being in that Houston game. No. None. He had to come in and play corner at that. That's how good he is. Barron is so valuable. And I like it just because 
it's also another leader. Like you had vocal guys last year, Sweat, Murphy, Jalen Ford. You know, you had your your vets, Christian Jones. Barron was in that mix, but now he, with that extra year, you get to kind of can ho- hopefully have some overlap with that leadership. I think Barron came back because maybe he didn't get the NFL grade he wanted. Or in some instances, like with Quinn Ewers, he just enjoys going to Texas. He enjoys, he wants to enjoy the college experience. He has no hurry and no rush to, to, to become a professional. Um, you know, in the NIL era, I think this you're gonna see more of these guys do this because it's it, it can it, it's a better you're not trying to cash a ticket today. It's a better long-term investment. And if anybody that knows Jaday, listen, that is a smart analytical kid. Like he's he 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 hits the stock market. He knows about stocks and bonds and, and all sorts of things. Like this guy is going to be successful in whatever he does. So you get Barron back there with Makuba, with a Derek Williams a year older, with a Michael Taft that's a little can do a little bit of everything. Not to mention two really really good corners and Terrence Brooks and, and Malik Muhammad, and that secondary all of a sudden becomes real real nice. And I think Barron coming back was a, a combination of maybe he's not in a hurry to go to the pros, maybe he didn't like that draft grade, and maybe he just wants to be healthy in his final year because he was dinged up pretty bad twice. twice that we know about during last season. And BK, that was a great point about his leadership next season. He's a guy whose voice was so valued coming into this most recent season that he was a part of that group that went to Jerry World for Big 12 Media Days in July. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure he'll be back next year as well. Justin Wells of Inside Texas joining us right now. Uh, Jay Wells, your thoughts on Sark's contract? We found out a couple of weeks ago he was getting a new deal, but over the holiday weekend, we found out exactly what that deal was going to look like. Now that you know everything that it entails, what uh, what are your big takeaways and big thoughts on the new contract? Do you ever remember one of those early season episodes of Family Guy? And it was Brian, the dog, who's him and the baby are the best characters, and Brian's sipping a martini and he's peeing on the corner and he's singing, money, money, money. And he can turn around and he's like, to me, it's one of the funniest things. That was Sark when he figured out what, what that contract was going to entail. I want to say, and Joe Cook did a great job of, of putting this all together. Go ahead and check him out at InsideTexas.com and the Inside Texas YouTube football channel. Um, I think, I, you know, I think it was deserved. I think Texas isn't going to be beat out on money when it comes to these type of jobs and these types of positions. I think Sark was coveted. You, you'll have some Alabama fans that really just don't know anything about their own program tell you that, you know, Kalen DeBoer was the first guy on the list and that's who they wanted. Nah, bro. Sark was first on that list. Sark and Dan Lanning, actually. And and so CDC had to work kind of quick. Nick Saban's retirement pushed this forward. Regardless, he was going to get paid. No matter what Nick Saban did in Tuscaloosa, he was going to get paid. But that, that, I think it expedited the process. Now he's, what, third, fourth highest paid guy in college football? Listen, in this era of college football, with NIL, with Portal, with re-recruiting your own guys, with continuity, keep trying to keep continuity on your staff, because we're seeing an influx of college football coach head to the NFL for numerous reasons, Sark has been able to calm the waters in Austin. He's, he's got the perfect disposition and temperament for this gig. And I think everybody understands that. And I, I hate to bite something from Tom Herman, but this this place is aligned. Everybody is on the same page. It's Sark's voice. He's the number one voice in this program. He oversees everything. I think it was worth it. They gave him a few extra years. And, and I'm always leery about when you start talking six, seven years into contracts, because we saw a contract down in College Station not too long ago that was probably the worst contract in the history of, of sports ever ever Mm. Uh, and so and you saw how foolish that was but here's the point you know sark has proven his medal sark has incrementally gotten better every single season his recruiting has gotten better every single season who he picks in the portal gets a little bit better every season now they got 11 guys headed to the combine there's a good chance they're going to have eight or nine guys at the combine next year you're potentially looking at 15 to 20 guys that could be drafted over the next two to three seasons from this program, which sells recruiting more than anything. Steve Sarkeesian got paid because he's doing a great job and he got a little bit extra because he's not done. Don't forget, he's obsessed. Mm. 
Justin, college football feels wide open right now because there's a slight dearth in really good head coaches, or at least guys who have that proven track record, especially with Saban and Harbaugh leaving for different reasons over the last couple of months now. What coaches in college football would you take over Steve Sarkeesian right now? Kirby? Dang. I don't think you've ever stumped me before and you've tried. Um, man, that's a great question. Once Saban and Harbaugh are out of the, out of the mix, I think Sark is, is probably the, for Texas, it's Sark. Now Kirby could come to Austin and win, obviously just like he's winning in Athens, but Sark is, is, is built for this. He runs this place like an NFL program. He like, and, and I think that experience with the Falcons and what he went through has actually only helped him, especially hanging out with Saban for a few years in Tuscaloosa, putting out the best offense that college has ever seen. I, I you know, Kirby Smart might be the only guy that I'd have to like raise my brow a little bit and think about because Kirby's going to build a pretty huge defense, whereas Sark's going to build a pretty dynamic offense. They're kind of two different guys in that sense. So you kind of, you know, you got to pick your poison, but I can't think of a guy, Trey. And I know I'm, I, I should probably, I could probably, you know, there are a couple guys that I would put right under him. You know, Kyle Whittingham, you know, I'm a big fan of him. I think Dan Lanning's doing some really good things in Oregon. Um, but man, outside of Kirby Smart, you're right. There's not a lot of coaches that are even coaching that have titles. You know, it, 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 it's one of those things where, Dabu Sweeney won a few, you know, five or six years ago, and you you thought that trend would continue, but he went the Mac Brown route, where it's a slow decline instead of a, a steady pace or even a, a more of a trajectory. And so I don't, I can't think of. There's not one guy I would rather have in Austin than Sark. But overall, I mean, you're looking at Sark and, and, and Kirby Smart, and those are the two guys that are always going to get the phone calls when these coaching jobs come open. And they're also the two guys that are going to return the call with thank you, but I'm at the very best place I can possibly be right now. I, I don't think you can do much better than Sark. I know that sounds early and rash, but he's just from top to bottom in this era of college football, he just seems to understand every aspect. Yeah, you brought up an interesting name with Whittingham. Ultimately, you're probably right, though, in large part, not just because of the on-field success or the recent on-field success, but because of that temperament. And that's why it does seem like Kirby Smart, on top of the football acumen, might work here is because the Georgia and Texas temperaments are very similar, BK. Yeah. Any thoughts on uh, Kalen DeBoer, Justin? That was a name Trey and I talked about this morning. I mean, obviously, fit has to be taken into consideration, but... I feel like I have to mention his name because of uh, what he's done against Sark these last two years. Where would you put him? Hey, give Kalen DeBoer all the credit. Yeah. First off, he's 2-0 and against Sark. Mm -hmm. and, and, and don't think Sark doesn't have that in the back of his mind. Secondly, everywhere DeBoer has gone, he wins yeah. at every level. If anyone earned that Alabama opportunity to follow Saban, it's Kalen DeBoer. I really do. I, I really do believe that. The only reason I still pick Sark over that is because building around a school in Washington is a lot different than building a program in Texas. Like, huge difference. I wouldn't say Grand Canyon, but some large mountains. There's a difference there. And so now if DeBoer gets to Tuscaloosa and starts running off 12-1, and 13-1, and 12-2 seasons – I might have to revisit my answer because Kalen DeBoer does an amazing job. But I think I think DeBoer was the product of a really good two-year run where he had a veteran quarterback that played, what, 40 or 50 college games. He had three NFL wide receivers, one of which Texas Tech just blew off and let leave for whatever reason. I guess he wasn't on brand in Lubbock. Uh, and Jalen Polk. And so I think it was kind of a, a mixture of, of, of a lot of good fortune and, and just, you know, knowing, you know, Michael Penix from his Indiana days, knowing the right people. I wouldn't put Kalen in that category just yet. And I don't want to bemoan, you know, bemoan anything he's done because, again, he's 2-0 and against Texas in the Sark era. So he's doing something right, hmm. but he hasn't had to build a program like Texas. He hasn't. And at Alabama, all he's doing is really getting the keys to the car. Do you notice that they take the pictures 
And there was that one picture in Saban's office that we always saw. And it was the painting behind him of Trent Richardson scoring a touchdown against Texas in that, in that Rose Bowl where he won his first national title. You notice that? That is in every single picture Saban would take with parents and with players and things of that sort. DeBoer's there now. That picture's gone. That picture's not there anymore. Now it's it, it, it looks like it's a painting of Nick Saban resembling Jesus. Like it's got the long hair and there's like he's got a lighting system over the top of it. And, and I'm wondering if he has to go to the altar, you know, every morning. You know, I'm not going to get on Kalen because he is taking over the premier po- program in college football. And has been for the last 15 years. Let me see what he does in the first two seasons with that with that takeover of that team and, and the, the the mix up of that team. I, right now, I still have Sark ahead of him. All right, Trey. Any more for Jay Wells? Nick Saban's statuettes that have his arms out like a T are at an all time high in sales at the Tuscaloosa Walmart. Guys, uh, Justin, college football just. Uh, uh, altered ever so slightly the expanded playoff and let what that's going to look like for at least the next couple of years, going from yeah. six and six to five and seven. Uh, se- seems pretty obvious to everybody with what the Pac-12 currently is or isn't that whittling that down to five and seven is a good idea. What do you think, though, about the four buys going to the four highest ranked uh, conference championship game winners, potentially excluding a really good team from uh, one of those conferences who may be ranked in that top four at the end of the season? That is one of the ultimate questions that we're looking at because here's here's my problem with this playoff stuff. How do they know what works if they keep changing it every couple of years? There's, no, there's only small sample sizes of what they did to get to a national championship, to get the bowl situation back from the BCS days. So for me, I'm honestly, I, I don't think they're done because I don't think they, I think there's so much money to be grabbed in, the, in this, doing this way, which other college football levels, D2 and all that, FCS, all that, they do, FBS, they do all that too. And so, Call me when they figure it out, because I don't know if this is going to be the system or not, because you know what's going to happen? Are people going to gripe about, well, why was so-and-so ranked so high to get a buy when their strength of schedule wasn't as good? And why are you taking Liberty at number 11 when they were the the highest rated, you know, non-P5 team, but the number 12 was, you know, one of the big dogs in the SEC and an LSU or, or an Ole Miss or somebody like no matter what, there's going to be arguments and there's going to be chaos. I just feel like they should settle on a playoff and live with it because then you can start to build traditions. Then you can start to see a continuity. Then you can start to see, okay, right before, right after Christmas, we got playoff games. New Year's Day, we got even more important playoff games. And then coming in mid-January, we get the big games. Give us something, let it be, and then let's figure out if that's the best route to do it. I just feel like they change it so much. It's hard to get a good read on what's best and what's not best. Mm, well said. All right, Jay Wells. Here's a little screen share of Inside Texas. I'm not going to click on any of the articles. We're going to make uh, sure everybody is subscribed over to IT. But we'll give you the floor before we let you go, man. I mean, you mentioned some of it at the start, but some of the great work that you guys have on Inside Texas that uh, our fans can can get if they subscribe. Yeah, it, it's, it's pretty simple. Uh, if you're a Texas fan, you got to come to InsideTexas.com. You got to come join us. They're really, we say this all the time, there's not a better time to join, but it's actually true. Like Texas is on such a good trajectory. They are going to sign an outstanding 2025 class. They already have a great basis for that cycle with five commits already. I could see a few others jumping in the mix over the next three or four months. Uh, you know, it took to get into to, to those jo- those June and July or June rather uh, official visits. Man, there's just so much going on right now from from team stuff, from from recruiting, from Sean McVay to new recruiting staffs hired to a 12 team playoff. It's just it's a party, okay? And I like to party, so come see us at InsideTexas.com. Eric Nolene, Joe Cook in the stash, Ian Boyd, Paul Wadlington, Charlie Williams. Tim Preston, Will Gallagher. If I'm missing somebody, I'm sorry. We got our YouTube guys. Lucas is is the man. Uh, Texas Homer is the man. Um, Drew Kelson, killing it on the YouTube channel stuff. Like I said, there's not a better time. Come hang out with us. It's a good time. 
I'm glad you mentioned this because I need one more screen share from InsideTexas.com, and that would be the mustachioed man that you just mentioned there. Oh, wait, is it not showing up? What the heck? It's not showing up like it should be right now. Okay. What what is going on here? You just mentioned the mustache with Joe Cook. Is this being done ironically or is he going for a new look here? And by the way, I say that with us all loving Joe. You currently do regular shows with him. uh, BK and I have both done shows with him in the past. We love Joe, but there may need to be an intervention here if he's trying to go with this look going forward. I'm trying to say this the best way I can, okay? Joe is doing a big favor for family. Okay. He's doing this as a, as a thing for, for his family. Because okay. Joe is the ultimate family man, wonderful young wife. Joe is a total consummate team player. He will always try to help out. That being said, I'm worried about him a little bit. Because <laughs> I see that picture, and I and I think he's got Dateline about to knock down his door. <laughs> you know, I, I see that picture, and I'm like, Joe, you know, that it's distracting. I even told him I was writing an article this morning and, you know, the videos pop up on the top of the of your articles when you're coming through. I was mesmerized. I can't focus on my own job because I am looking at potential greatness. What Joe doesn't realize is he has the inner workings of the of the ultimate stash. He's just got to let it grow a little bit. He's going to hit that that puberty hard. And then I'm telling you, it's going to really start to grow in. Um, I personally thought it might have been a Valentine's present for the missus, but no, Joe's doing this for his family. I believe it's um, at like a 70s, 60s or 70s party. It's not a porn party, so people don't make those jokes. Mm. It's like a 60s, 70s party, and, and, and Joe wants to kind of you know be the best guy he can be, and he can't be Jim Harbaugh anymore. You know, He went to Halloween for years in his Jim Harbaugh outfit, Walmart khakis, Long sleeve, navy blue, got the navy blue Michigan hat, Michigan, Michigan, and got the headphones. He can't do that anymore. He doesn't have any Chargers gear. And so I, I think he's he's doing this for family. But I got to tell you guys, I'm still a little worried. I, 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 I would not take candy from this guy. And I absolutely, <laughs> listen, I love Joe. I, I love Joe. He's one of my best friends. But I've told my son, if you see that guy, don't get in his car. No rides. No All right. Rides. Fam- family get provides the past, but as you said, that there is a such an appealing look to him. I can't take my eyes off the man with that mustache right now. So maybe it becomes a permanent fixture before it's all said and done. I highly, you know, I wish he would, but I think he's gotten so much crap from everybody. <laughs> what will ultimately happen? It's going to be up to his wife. If his oh, wife yeah. likes it, yeah. he's going to have to keep it. But I have a feeling she may, she may. She may change her mind because Joe still has that young, you know, precocious look to him. There's no need to go to the stash until you're, you know, in your 40s and 50s. But listen, all credit to the guy. I couldn't do that. Or or rather, I wouldn't. Uh, not even for people I love. But but give him get you got to give Joe credit. He was on Andy Staples this morning. He absolutely brought it on the Andy Staples show from on three. Give that dude his props, man. I love that boy. Uh, yeah. Joe does awesome work, as we're, we're all well aware. And he's gotten really good as a broadcaster, too, over the years. It's uh, great to see uh, just what he is becoming, even if it is uh, <laughs> does have the look of a pedophile. <laughs> yeah, I didn't say, no, yeah, yeah, mm, yeah, yeah. Come on, Joe. I'm gonna send him a. I'm gonna send him a can of of of, of spray, you know, shaving cream, and maybe one of those old pink razors or something. That's right. Just don't go around asking anybody if they want mustache rides because some people may say yes. You never know. It's a it's a loaded question. Woo! Hmm. Doing it for family. Does he want his family to disown him or something? Is that is that his goal with that? Well, I think they wanted him to wear, you know, a fake one, and he's hmm. like, "Hold up, I'm Joe Cook. I can grow one." <laughs> And when he started doing it, I said, buddy, what are we doing here? Like, look, hey, I'm for it. I don't want to judge you, but man. And now it's it, it's becoming glorious. And it's taking on a, 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 when I see the Joe Mustache Twitter account, parody Twitter account, I'll know he's arrived. No mm. kidding. All right. Uh, he is Justin Wells, Inside Texas, InsideTexas.com, that Inside Texas YouTube channel. Follow his work at all of those places. And... At Twitter, Justin Wells 2424. J Dub, thank you as always for the time, my friend.
Man, it's so good to see you guys. I love talking to you guys. I look forward to seeing you guys. I look forward to the phone calls and the text messages. And you guys continue to kill it on Texas Unfiltered. I absolutely watch this thing on a regular basis. Nothing but love, gentlemen. Appreciate you, Justin. There he goes. Jay Wells, Justin Wells of Inside Texas, kind enough to join us for his uh, weekly visit, usually on Mondays, but uh, we did not have a show on Monday because of President's Day. And we all forgot the Monday after Super Bowl because the Monday after Super Bowl should be a holiday where people aren't having to use their brains. But it is going to be Monday going forward unless there's an extreme circumstance. Didn't even remember that we didn't talk to Justin last Monday. That's uh, got to put that in the calendar to make sure I don't forget going forward. Yeah, he and I talked for the Wednesday for uh, my uh, for Wednesday on my radio show. And I was like, holy shit, dude, we did not connect two days ago. And he's like, I completely forgot until right now, too. So it's yeah. uh one of those things we've we've literally talked to him on Wednesdays all the way up until when we scheduled something on Mondays a few weeks ago. So you just got to figure out a way to burn that into your brain because it doesn't come as naturally. It's always Wednesdays with J-Dub. You're right. hundred percent. Thanks to Justin for joining us. Uh, let's give some love to some sponsors here. We'll start with a little TV spot from our great friends over at Covert BK. Hi, I'm Dan Covert with my wife, Hayden. Welcome to Covert BK. Our newest location in the gorgeous hill country includes Buick, GMC, Cadillac, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram, and hundreds of pre-owned and certified vehicles for you to choose from. We have three service departments that are ready to take care of your car, truck, or SUV with 86 service bays to accommodate any repair and get you in and out quickly. Come visit us today to select the vehicle you've been dreaming about. Covert, born and raised in Austin. There you go. Shout out to the Coverts. Also, shout out to Altstad Beer, the best beer that you can find all throughout the great state of Texas. And, of course, some love to audiovisual consultations as well. Our man Tom McKay. You can give him a call, 512-255-8678. If you're looking for the home TV setup of your dreams, AV consultations can make it all happen for you, Trey. Before I talk about pest wranglers, I did want to give a little bit of additional love to our friends at Good Stock by Nolan Ryan. They were our travel partners for our trip to New Orleans, and I had a chance to finally make it by the store in Round Rock. It's just east of Dell Diamonds. Late last week, as we were finishing up at Kalahari, family wanted to stay there for a little bit longer on Friday, despite the fact that the park was full of degen. So I took the opportunity to duck into Good Stock to check it out because I wanted to uh, to get to see what Perry has been raving about. Got to meet Trey, who's the GM over there. He actually has two different meat sciences degrees. And yeah, it tells. That place is so impressive. Now, it's a boutique butcher shop, essentially, but they offer more than a variety of great meats, beef, uh, chicken. Uh, they did some, uh, some quail stuffed jalapeno poppers as well. They've got a bunch of uh, equipment that helps with the cooking process. The Nolan Ryan family, because it is good stock by Nolan Ryan. After all, the Ryan family has their quote-unquote winery, which is some of their favorite wines around that goes with uh, all the different meats that they serve. And oh my goodness, the steaks that I got at good stock were some New York strips. That's our favorite steak to eat in this household. I buy it just about weekly, strip steaks. My family was in consensus that it's two of the best pieces of meat that we've ever had a chance to consume. They had a beautiful fatty strap going over the top, nice fat cap as well. And I was not disappointed. I didn't think I would be, but as somebody who is a harsh critic on food, I was very happy to now have this so close to me. If you were on 79 at any point over the next couple of days and you're heading east past the uh, past the Dell Diamond there, it's that very next light. You'll see the Hat Creek Burger Company on one corner. You take that left where that Hat Creek is. You go to the right, though, to the shopping center across the street from Hat Creek. It's where the Summer Moon is. There's a Tony C's over there. Goodstock is right next to the Summer Moon. You will not be disappointed. Just grab a little something to cook for dinner that night, or maybe you're going to save it for the following night. It's actually very convenient to get to off of Highway 79 next to the Dell Diamond, just east of the Dell Diamond, that very next light. Good Stock by Nolan Ryan. Their website is goodstocktx.com. Now that I've given some love to the folks at Good Stock, and I will be paying them a visit either tomorrow or Friday, need to tell you about my friends at Pest Wranglers. Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers, that's right. Steve has been in business for 
a long time now, nearly 20 years, started back in 2006. Back then he did so with a couple of things in mind. One is providing exceptional service in general in terms of taking care of those pest problems, but he also wanted to do so for the sake of providing excellent customer service as well. Plenty of five-star ratings and reviews show just how great that customer service is. And right now is a great time to get in touch with pest wranglers, if nothing else, to get that lawn prepared for mosquito season. That's right. Pest Wranglers offers eco-friendly treatments that do not target bees or butterflies and are non-toxic to birds and mammals. That includes those dogs sniffing around the backyard. It's effective for up to a month. It kills mosquitoes that transmit all sorts of diseases, including West Nile virus, uh, dengue, yellow fever, the Zika virus as well. It works against insecticide-resistant mosquitoes too, which has become a problem here in Central Texas, unfortunately, over the last several years. It kills adults and prohibits larvae from maturing. It is field-validated with a ton of different results published in scientific journals. Steve knows because he's checked a lot of those results out, and he also talks to people who say, thank goodness you have helped me take care of this mosquito problem. They can do shorter-term treatments too for fast knockdown for things like backyard and pool parties effective for up to 21 days, no horrible odors from any of the treatments, and it's wallet-friendly as well, usually under 100 bucks, unless it's a massive area. No contracts, as always, because they do believe in that customer service. Just go to PestWranglers.com for more info and to schedule that treatment. And Pest Wranglers is a sponsor of... Where are we at in society today? No fucking time for where are we at in society today, BK. I've got a story. There's no way I'm going to try and present this story over the next couple of minutes because Chip and Zay are going to be on in just a few minutes. Just know this, though. At some point in the next couple of days on where are we at in society, we're going to bring you the results of a San Francisco Bay Area school district that spent $250,000 on a woke kindergarten program. Stay tuned over the next couple of days to find out how well or terribly that worked out for the children in this woke kindergarten. Spent 250K? Yeah. A citywide bid? It is a single elementary school that went woke kindergarten. Wow. Single elementary schools had that kind of money. I didn't even think private school elementary schools had that kind of money. Well, they do when you're talking about a city that is so good at essentially just lighting hundreds of thousands of dollars on fire for causes that are a complete waste of money or efforts that are an absolute waste of money and time. Mm. All right. Looking forward to that one. Any more uh, dining rules that we didn't get to from this morning? Did you close out of that article altogether? Oh, gosh. Let me go through my thousand. That's a bad idea to ask that. No better. Oh, man. Yeah. Look, I, I can look it up real quick. Hold on a sec. There, there was one other one that we didn't get to, and it was one of the lesser ones, but it was still maybe worth the conversation. But we were already so deep in things. Let me see. Cakeage, charge, banning phones and dining rooms. Dress, oh, we didn't talk dress codes. Oh, here's the other one that I wanted to talk about. Time-limited table seatings of, say, 90 minutes. So lim- saying, hey, you can have this reservation, but you need to be done by this time. And usually it's an hour and a half to two hours into the meal. I have no issues with that. If they're trying to shoehorn a reservation, but give you the proper amount of time to eat, because I saw this at Bufalina Douay with my family last weekend. It's a pretty long line of people to wait to get in. And I don't like waiting for food, but Bufalina Douay is one of those few places it's actually worth it. We ended up waiting longer than expected because there were people just fucking sitting, having a conversation after their meal had already been completely served and eaten. There may have been a little bit of wine left in glasses, but they were just loitering and taking their sweet-ass time despite the fact that that restaurant needed that table to, to turn over to seat somebody else in a timely fashion. So if you actually have a reservation and they give you that window, then at that point you need to be more bound by it. So yeah, restaurants should do something mm-hmm. like that if it helps that bottom line, but also isn't inconveniencing the customers too badly. Yeah, that's more of a social awareness kind of thing and you just not being a bad person. I, I don't think restaurants should have the ability to kick you out if you spend money and you're still eating or drinking something at your table. Unless unless they put those parameters on it initially and say, hey, you can no. have this reservation, but you need to promise that you're going to be done by this time. Yeah. And what if the place is slow, though? What if the food comes out slow and the service is bad and then still at the end of that time, they're kicking you out? 
the restaurant does they they are liable to actually be pretty quick with the with the service you're right about that but typically when that's done it's because the restaurant is fully booked for the night and they have a, a smaller than the average two-hour window and just need to make sure that you understand that if you're going to take this reservation there's a an oral agreement in place i guess you're going to be done by a certain amount of time an oral agreement yeah what's going on there how do you get that added to the reservation agreement uh, for that uh, just a lot of tongue action i guess man i gotta check out some of these places you're going to i guess it's funny because sometimes as a family we're not talking oral agreements anymore sometimes as a family we'll go someplace and they'll say that to us they'll be like you only have an hour and a half at this table and we are we are fucking quick eaters not just in terms of the speed of eating although my daughter and i unfortunately eat disgustingly fast my son and my wife take their sweet times thankfully to balance things out but we are we're on top of it we're ready to order all of our food by the first time the waiter gets there to go along with our drinks hey you can take the drinks are you ready for our food order because if you are we are and they'll almost always say yes because they're trying to get through that table too so whenever we hear you only have an hour and a half we just chuckle and say oh we'll, we'll beat that by 30 minutes yeah i'll have a story during tomorrow's show about something kind of annoying that happened to me at a restaurant last week Ooh. that you would have probably reacted to that i didn't another one of those instances larry david like where i just let it slide but uh, I don't think you would have, but we'll save that for tomorrow because I see Chip and Zay in the waiting room. Another way where you wish you were a little bit more Larry David like, correct? Like, I feel like you're inching to that point where you're about to start saying stuff to people. I'm getting close, man. I'm getting close. I can tell the older I get, the closer I am to just not letting stupid stuff at restaurants or other public places just slide without calling it out. 30 is a perfect age to become a bitter old man, BK. God, I've never wanted to be that person. Like My parents do stuff like that. I love them dearly, of course, but it makes me so mad when they do it. And now this is like progressive turning into your parents. Everybody's had this at some point. Where you just <laughs> yeah. catch yourself turning into your folks and doing stuff that they don't or that you don't like about them, but you start doing it. I'm getting closer to like the under my breath or even public call out of wait staff and general public workers and i'm about to hate myself so much for it wait till you get to be my age and then someone will take a picture of you and you look like your dad mm. <laughs> and you're like no see that's not gonna be the same effect for me because i've been looking like my dad for 30 years so that's not gonna <laughs> hit me as hard as it might hit training well, yeah, the first time you completely shave your head, Zay, you may shed a tear, though. Oh, yeah. be like, God damn, it's even more than I realized. But your dad's also a good-looking dude, so you lucked out. Yeah, I yeah, well, appreciate that. But, yeah, that's why I'm keeping the naps here because I am so far away from that in my mind. <laughs> I am willing to look rough just so I don't look exactly like him. I got to have some type of, you know, my own manness. You know, my own manness. Oh, man. I'm talking about everybody's got our own manness. I'm not sure I do know what you're saying. <laughs> I'm riding with it. I'm going with it. Appreciate you, Chip. Appreciate going with it. My man, uh, my man Zay says we all need our own manness. Let's go. Mm. All got to have our own musky scent. See exactly what he's talking about. <laughs> oh, uh, you know, I appreciate it, but I don't know if it's that, but it's it's cool. It's cool. We're yeah. Shoot. All right, fellas. We'll get out of y'all's hair. All right, y'all. Hey. Y'all have a great day and a great appreciate show. Appreciate y'all.